If you have a Bible with you this morning, find the book of Romans, and we're going to be in chapter number 8, Romans chapter 8. And today is the third week of a five-part message series that we have just simply titled, When My World Falls Apart. When My World Falls Apart. It's a series about suffering. It's a series about when people we love die, and it's a series about cancer and tragedy and the difficult things that we face in life, situations and circumstances. Uh, and the question that we're simply asking is, when your world falls apart, and it will at some point, when your world falls apart, how will you respond? How will we respond? And there are countless people who, when their world falls apart, when something happens, uh, tragedy strikes, their faith falls apart with it. And our goal in this series and the, over these number of weeks is just to build a foundation scripturally of suffering in this world. And the intention is when, when you face things in your life, your faith will actually be stronger because of it, not weaker. We, we've talked about this every week in this series that there are chairs in this place that used to be filled with people, people who used to come to church and are no longer here and they're no longer in any church because when something happened in their life, their faith fell apart with that. Their understanding of God and suffering, they could not reconcile that, all right? And, and it led to that. So that's our goal. We learned in the first two weeks that suffering can actually be a good thing when God is our goal, and how scripturally there's a part of Jesus that we really cannot fully know without suffering in some ways. Uh, we also learned that suffering can strengthen our faith, and we took that right from the scripture. Uh, suffering can be a good thing when God is your goal. Today, here's the objective, and I believe that this is, this is straight from God for, for us today. Uh, the objective is to change some of the language that we often use that is biblically inaccurate and incorrect and actually a little bit toxic at times. Did you know that there are things that we say as Christians and we think they're in the Bible, but they're not? You know that? I'll give you an example. Have you ever heard somebody say this, and maybe you have said this, God promises he will never give me more than I can handle. Have you ever heard someone say that? That's not true. That's not what the Bible says at all. In fact, the whole point of this thing is that God's going to, like you will face way more than you can handle alone in this world. The scripture says God will, you will not be tempted more than you can handle is what the Bible says. And we take that verse and we say, God said he'll never give us, give us more than we can handle. It's not in there. God never said that. Okay, and today we're going to look at one of those. Uh, in fact, just to kind of build the tension in the room for a moment, the title for the message today is simply this, Everything Does Not Happen for a Reason. What? Some of you are like, I just said that this morning. Everything happens for a reason. And we're going to look at the Bible, and what, my, like what we're going to do is we're going to take, we're going to take this phrase, and I'm going to have you switch it and start saying something else, because when and if you use phrase, and this phrase, and, and, and I'm talking about specifically the way that we use this phrase, uh, it, it leads to something that potentially can, can, can lead to your faith falling apart, and I'm going to unpack that for us scripturally here in a few moments. All right, there we go. You excited? 
So you don't know if you're excited or not. All right. Uh, I want to ask you to stand with me all over this place. Let's begin by reading our passage of Scripture for today. Romans chapter 8. We're going to start in verse number 18. Romans 8, verse number 18. Let's read this together. Uh, And so here's what it says. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. For the creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom and glory of the children of God. We know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Turn to your neighbor and say, I have no idea what in the world any of that means. And we're going to talk about it in a moment. All right, let's pray. God, we, we just look to you today. We invite you into this moment. God, we're not looking for flashy things to be a cool church. Our, our goal is really to encounter you and to uh, speak truth. And so, Lord, I pray that that is what happens. Uh, we humbly come to you today with our hearts open and our minds open, expectant and hungry and needing you. And so, Lord, let your very word come through in such a beautiful and powerful way. Use me, help me, challenge us, change us, oh God, and it's in your name we pray. Amen, amen. All right, give somebody a high five and have a seat. <laughs> All right, well, uh, a few moments ago, you heard, you heard Pastor Corey talk actually about what he used the phrase a virtual missions trip. Well, uh, uh, a month or so ago, we did this experiment uh, that we did our first virtual missions trip around here. And let me give you the quick backstory on this, and we don't have time to spend much time, but a pastor friend of mine at a large church in the cities began doing these things that he called a virtual trip during COVID uh, because they had, it's a huge church, and they do like 50 missions trips a year every week. They're sending out teams all over the place, and they're like, we can't fly anymore. We can't do anything anymore. What are we going to do? And so uh, he said, well, let, what, can we do a missions trip on our computers? And people said, that'll never work. That's a terrible idea. But during COVID, they started doing these different things. So so we tried this because he told me, he's like, you got to try this. It's impactful. So for four evenings in a row, 13 of us from our church about a month ago gathered around a TV screen and we visited the country of Cambodia. Yeah, it sounds weird. I know. Uh, but on the other side of the screen, we had a missionary friend of ours who was leading the way and who was talking and teaching and we were asking questions and he was there and we were here and Uh, Go ahead and put that picture on the screen of this friend. His name is Darth, of all things. Yeah, you heard me right. Darth is his name. Uh, But on the first day of our virtual missions trip, my friend Darth began to share his story with the 13 of us. And for those of you who have not heard his story, just understand this man suffered more than most of us will ever could ever understand and imagine someone suffering in this world. Cambodia borders the country of Vietnam, and as the end of the Vietnam War approached, uh, a Hitler-style leader came into power in Cambodia. 
his name was Pol Pot. They don't teach this quite as much in school as they do uh, Hitler and the Holocaust, but it's a very similar thing. From 1975 to 1979, a four-year period, of the 7 million people in the country of Cambodia, an estimated 2.5 million of them were killed. That's, that's a third of the country died in concentration camps or brutally murdered by the Cambodian version of the Nazis, called the Khmer Rouge. Okay, a third of the population. My friend Darth uh, and one of our partners, missionary in Cambodia right now, was seven years old when all of this stuff started and his family was forced out of their home. Darth was taken away from his mother and his brothers and sisters would put in a labor camp for children. I don't have time to tell you his whole story. The good news is he's going to be here with us in September, and you can hear that story at that point. Long story short, in a really short time, the thousand or so children that ended up in the spot that Darth was Okay, these are kids that are basically from 7 to 11 years old, taken away in this work camp. Uh, of the thousand or so children in this labor camp, 50 of them would survive. 50, 95% of these kids died. They were fed almost nothing. In fact, he explained it. He said, they fed us rice water. And I said, what is rice water? He said they would take a huge thing like this and they would fill it with water and they would put a, a couple handfuls of rice and boil it until the water just disappeared and you would drink rice water. That's all they had to eat for four years. And you say, how does anybody survive? You eat bugs and you eat roots and you eat stuff like this that you find is how, okay? Uh, skipping way ahead in the story for the sake of time, four years later, Darth found himself and a few others that survived in a refugee camp in Thailand. And at the age of 11, Darth was adopted by a family from St. Paul where God got a hold of his life in supernatural ways. He tells the story of showing up as, a, as now a 12-year-old in a public school in St. Saint, in Saint Paul, not knowing one, barely one English word. In a time where our school districts were not prepared in the least to do anything like this. Okay, so just imagine the story of this kid. Okay, uh, and Darth is now, God has radically transformed his life, and he is now back in Cambodia building schools for children where they provide food, water, education, and he can freely teach these kids that Jesus loves them. I've been with him twice in Cambodia and seen what's happening. It is supernatural. Uh, but everything happens for a reason, right? Well, let, me, let me start to pick this apart. God had a reason that a third of the population of Cambodia would be brutally killed? God had a reason that 2.5 million people would not just die of starvation, but be killed. God had a reason that like children were taken from their parents, 90% plus not surviving. God had a reason that Darth walked through the jungle on his way to Thailand for three weeks, and of the 175 people, or of the 200 people that walked with him through the jungle to Thailand, 175 of them had limbs blown off by landmines and died, and 25 made it. Like, God had a reason for all of that stuff. The phrase, everything happens for a reason, is a slippery slope that leads to a view of God where God is in some way behind all sorts of horrendous things in our world. 
And it's leading people, people in our church family and people within Christianity to begin to think, I no longer believe in a God who's good. Now, from a biblical perspective, let me give you the reasons why we suffer in this world. Five of them. Let me give you the reasons. Here we go. And when I say suffer, we can define that however we want. It's the difficult situations and circumstances that we face. It's loved ones passing away, cancer in our bodies, abuse, anxiety, depression. Okay, you get it. Suffering in this way. Write these down. The five reasons we suffer in this world. Number one is this, our poor choices. Our poor choices. Listen, sin is destructive. And there are consequences to the things that we do. And often our own sin, our own choices, result in suffering in this world. It's the results of the things that we have done, the things that we said, the places that we went, the way that we lived. Like, listen, let me give you a couple examples of this. If you get in your car and you drive drunk and you hurt somebody, or worse, please... Don't show up in jail saying everything happens for a reason. God had a plan for this. The reason is you did something very stupid, right? Everything happens for a reason, and the reason was you were dumb, if you want to say it that way. Don't, don't sit in jail saying there's a purpose for my pain, for what happened here, I'm just trying to figure out why this happened to me and figure out the lesson that God is trying to teach me here. Don't, like we say this stuff, okay, but understand oftentimes our suffering is a result of the mess that we made because of the decisions we've made. The choices, our choices have a consequence. They have consequences. They matter and they often lead to suffering. You put thousands of dollars on your credit card buying things you don't need with money that you do not have and now you are suffering because you cannot pay your bills. I'm telling you, there is no God-given purpose for that. Let's just call it what it is. All right, are you with me? Some of you are like, I don't like the way that you're talking to me, Pastor Kyle. Can you use nice words, please? All right. There is a better, more biblical way to say it than everything happens to a reason. We're going to get there. Okay, second, second, suffering in this world can be the result of the poor choices of other people. All right? So we have suffering as the result of the, the way that we live, and we have suffering that's the result of the way that the people around us live, or this could go in much bigger ways as well. But understand, not only does our sin impact our own lives, but sin impacts other people as well. And some of us in this place, you have suffered and you are still suffering in this world because of the sin of somebody else, because of the decisions that someone else made when somebody abused you, when somebody left you, when somebody cheated on you, or did something, and someone else made a decision, all right, that has caused much suffering in your life. We, we in our area here lost the life of a police officer last night. I, I do not, as Christians, believe we should be saying everything happens for a reason and what is the God-given purpose behind this happening. The reality is a sinful person did something horrendous. And I'm going to change the way we use our language with this. That is the point in this, all right? Uh, can God use that for good and for his glory? Absolutely. 
all right? But Darth went through all that horrible stuff as a child because of the sinful choices of somebody else. God has now redeemed that, used that in supernatural ways, opened doors for him like, okay, like unbelievably in his, okay, but I do not for a moment believe that God was responsible for two and a half million people dying and all of these kids just so that he could now open the door later. That's not the way that this works. It's not biblical in that way. I could go on giving examples, but I don't need to. Suffering is often the result of sin, whether that is our own or whether that is the sin of other people. Third, suffering in this world is the result, the phrase we're going to use is Satan's attack. Satan's attack. Um, There is no question scripturally, no question that some of the suffering that we endure in this world is because of our spiritual enemy. You can call him Satan, you can call him the devil, you can call him whatever you want to call him. But understand, the Bible often talks about this. Often. Talks about demons, talks about Satan, talks about all this stuff. Talks about the battle that we are facing is not against flesh and blood, and, but, but against spiritual forces in that stuff. Satan's mission is to steal, kill, and destroy you, John 10, 10. He is real And his number one battleground is your mind. Your mind. And he is out to kill you and destroy you, but through your thoughts, through temptation, through negativity, through self-worth, through attitude, Satan knows your weaknesses, and it's his mission to destroy you and your family. Scripturally, this gets messy, scripturally we do have Satan impacting people's physical health at some time. And I'm not always sure what to do with some of that, if I can just be honest about it, okay? But I would say most of the time, it is a mental thing. It is in that way. Uh, And in my opinion, Christians today make one of two mistakes when we talk about Satan, okay? And this gets weird real fast. Maybe at some point, we need to spend an entire Sunday or an entire series of messages talking about this stuff, because this is complex and, and hard to grasp in some ways. But two mistakes that Christian makes, Christians make, the first group, blames way too many things on the devil. Maybe you know somebody like that, okay? And, and you know, they, they have a prayer request that they send you, and they're like, Satan's really been attacking me right now. And you're saying, well, what's going on? My water heater broke. I'm like, ah, I don't know, guy, you know? Like, that's, I don't know if it works like that. That's kind of a little bit too far. But, and so I think sometimes we, we walk around as Christians and we can attribute way too much to Satan, and things that he's not behind, and we just talk about that all the time. And, and I, I think that, okay, the, we, we do that. But there's also a second group for sure in Christianity, and that's people that, that pretend like Satan does not exist and that he is not behind stuff. And we off, there's, there's a middle ground here that is, is where healthiness is in an understanding of, the, of Satan and demons, all right? And I don't mean to get super weird. Some of us are staring at me like, what in the is going on around here. This is weird, okay? But understand, there's a healthy biblical thing. Uh, Biblically, suffering can be the result of Satan's attack. No question. No question. Now, scripturally, we also have authority and some over that stuff, and okay? But it can be that way. Um, Number four, suffering can be the result of God's purpose. Now, let me unpack this quickly, and I want to clarify a few things before we get way off in our understanding of God and suffering. Number one, don't miss this, God never tempts us to sin. So immediately, here's what we do. 
we rule out every ounce of suffering in this world that you face that is in any way connected to sin, and we say God is not in that at all. Any ounce. If sin is in something, God is not. Do you understand? So if your sin has caused suffering, you say God's not in that. If someone else's sin has caused suffering, God's not in that. Understand that from the very, very beginning, okay? Also, I do not believe that God is behind any sort of sickness or physical pain that we may experience. I don't believe he's causing that and doing that. But here's what I do believe and why I put this one on the list. I do believe that God is a loving father who will at times discipline us to teach us or to get us back to where we should be. Parents, listen to me, don't miss this right here. Parents, you view disciplining your kids and you view punishment in a little bit of a different way than your kids do. And your kids view punishment as suffering. But you do not, right? But think about this. You, you, you take a kid's cell phone away. And, like, ah! and you're like, come on. Okay? You know, and we could go on with this. You understand the idea of this. It's very different. The way that what you call suffering as a parent compared to a child is very, very different. Uh, and I just, I believe at times some of the things that we call suffering is not suffering in God's eyes. And we mess some of that up. But I believe God gently brings us back to where we should be. I'll give you just one example. I, I had three or four examples biblically of this, but I just, I'm just going to give you one for the sake of time. The story of Jonah and the whale. Okay? Jonah runs from God, and God uses suffering to bring him back. The Bible actually said that he's thrown into the sea, which is caused by God who caused the storm. Jonah is thrown into the sea, and then the scripture says this phrase, God caused a great fish to swallow him. So at some point here, we do have God intervening in a way that for Jonah absolutely felt like suffering. As he's sitting in the belly of a great fish of some sort for three days in that moment. I mean, can you, that, that, he, he would say, I'm suffering. God's like, you know, suck it up, buttercup. You're going to be okay. <laughs> Okay, God, God views that situation very different than Jonah does. And the result of that was Jonah coming back to where he should be and doing what God had asked him to do, okay? Uh, it was from God, and God had a purpose in that suffering. And at time we see this in the Bible, God brings what seems to be suffering. Okay, and number five, and this is where we're going to get to Romans chapter 8. Uh, uh, very quickly, number five is just this, the result of a fallen and a broken world. Okay, so there's a list. If you want to say everything happens because of a reason, you can say that phrase, and that's the reasons. Right there. All right? When we say everything happens for a reason, what we're doing, though, is projecting that into the future. Do you hear that? There's a, there's a purpose that God has. Everything has a purpose in happening to me in this way. Some of the, pur- some of the reasons are just the result of a broken and fallen world. Okay, so here we go. A few moments ago, we read from the cha- a chapter of the Bible. Some of you were like, was that all the introduction? So, okay, we're getting to the Bible now. But a few moments ago, we read from a chapter in the Bible that is filled with all sorts of theological implications about God and suffering in this world. 
And today we're going to touch on this briefly. Next week we're going to continue in Romans chapter 8, which is what this is. Uh, and it's, it's an incredibly difficult and amazing chapter of the Bible in so many different ways. But for the sake of time, uh, I just want to skip right to some of the stuff about suffering in this chapter. This is verse 18. Here we go. We read this together, but I want to read it again. Uh, this is the Apostle Paul. And he writes, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. Now, we're going to talk about that right there in week number five. Unpack that because scripturally it's something we see in the writers of the Bible over and over and over again. Uh, it's something that is crazy complex and very difficult for us to grasp and understand, but we're not going to address it too much today. But basically, Paul is writing here, and Paul carries with him an understanding, a, a deep down understanding that this world is not our home. He carries with that, that with him everywhere that he goes, this world is temporary, and it's here for a moment, and then it's gone, and we will spend eternity someplace else. This, this 80 years we have, or in this time, this 45 years we had, you know, at life expectancy stuff, like this time that we have here is a blip on the radar screen of life in our existence. And he writes, our present sufferings are nothing in comparison to the amazingness that is coming. I'm just going to leave that right there because we're going to hit that in two weeks. All right, let's move on. Verse number 19, for the creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. Creation would be the earth and everything in it, including humanity. Creation waits in eager expectation. That's interesting. Interesting. Creation is waiting for something. What's it waiting for? Verse 20, for the creation was subjected to frustration. Interesting. So God's creation, which we know of as perfect, and he said it is good, was now at some point subjected to frustration. Not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it in hope that creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom and the glory of the children of God. This is super complex, and when you try to read about some of this stuff, you get pages and pages of commentary stuff from people way smarter than us who write all sorts of things about this entire thing. As I spent a, a lot of time reading through these, these verses right here, here's the conclusion that I tried, I tried to put this in about 10 words so that we can get this. Creation specifically this world that we live in right here, right now, is not how God intended it to be. Okay? It's not how God intended it to be. And we can look back at the story of creation, and we can see God's will and God's plan and this perfect thing that he created. We have that in Genesis 1, 2, and 3. Okay? We, we read this beautiful thing. God's plan from the beginning was not pain. There's no pain in the beginning. There's no suffering. There's no hunger. There's no destruction in any sort of way. And here's what we know. We know that God's perfect creation was negatively affected when Adam and Eve rebelled. God created the heavens and the earth, and his creation was perfect. There was no pain. There was none of that. There's no abuse. There's no disease. 
There's no evil people or anything, starving children. There is none of that. The world is perfect in everything and in every way, okay, exactly how God intended it to be. Now, here's my question for you. The question is, was it God's will for Adam and Eve to sin? Was it God's will for them to sin? Or another way to say it, did God have a purpose in Adam and Eve sinning? And the answer, just if you're struggling with this, is absolutely stinking not. No. No, 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 no. Sin is not and cannot be God's will. Sin is disobedience to God. It cannot be his will. It cannot be his purpose. There's no way it can. Not even a part of it. Not even a piece of it. So what's the story here? What is going on here? See, understand God created a perfect world, but he also created people, and he created us with a choice. He gave us what we would call free will. We are able to choose. Adam and Eve were able to choose how they would live their life. Would they honor God? It was their choice. Would they obey God? It was their choice. Would they love God, or would they turn and do do their own thing. It was their choice. And if God would have created humanity without a choice, then essentially we are pre-programmed robots doing exactly what he says all of the time, okay? And, but like Adam and Eve, God gave you and he gave me, he gave us a choice, choices of how we are going to live our lives. Why would he do that? Very simply, it's because love has to have a choice. You cannot have love without the ability to choose. And if God did not give us the ability to choose, we would not have the ability to love. So God creates humanity and it is perfect, but he gives them the ability to choose how they would live their lives. And with the ability to choose comes the ability to choose wrong and even choose evil. Paul wrote, and we get, he wrote, creation was subjected to frustration. It's sin coming into the world. And one day it will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom. Okay, this world is not how God intended it to be. God created a perfect, good thing, but he also created humanity. From the very start, we did not respond correctly. And the result is a broken place a broken world. It's not as it should be. When sin, with sin comes disease, with sin comes natural disasters, with sin comes sinful people doing sinful things, which leads to genocides and suffering and people shooting police officers. It's a broken world. And the scripture today ends with these, this kind of weird verse. We know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Our creation is groaning in the pains of childbirth. So we say everything happens for a reason, but I do not believe that to be a scriptural thing to say. Let me give you something to say in place of that. And we're going to build on this next week. Here's what we say. In place of everything happens to a reason, everything happens for a reason, a biblical thing to say would be God promises to work this out for our good and his glory. God promises to work this out 
when your friend, when your friend gets cancer and you don't know what to say, don't turn to them and say, Everything happens to a reason, for a reason. It's a slippery slope that leads them to say, why in the world would God give me cancer so that I could die and my children not have a mom? What in the world? Who is this God? I want nothing to do with him. But when we begin to say, I don't know what the deal is with this. It's the worst thing ever. But I do believe that God will use this for your good and for his glory in some way, then we begin to open up the door to experience God in some of the most difficult things that we could ever face. Next week, we're going to look at the second half of Romans 8, which is going to show us this crazy clearly. Music team, will you please come? Listen to me. We're almost done. But somebody, somebody, needs, somebody needs to hear this. I do not believe that God had a purpose for your dad dying. I don't believe it works like that. God can use that and redeem that and do incredible things for that. But he was not behind of you, you losing someone that you love. He did not put that together and plan that for some purpose. We live in a broken world with sickness and death. But God takes tragedy and works it for good and for his glory. I do not believe that cancer in your body was given to you by God for a purpose. I don't feel, I don't see that scripturally. And I don't see that. We live in a world filled with sickness and cancer. It's not the way God created this world to be. Disease was not God's in, intention. Natural disaster is not God's intention. It's not God's will that you were abused as a child. It was not the will of God. It was a sin of some person. It's not God's will that your loved one died. It's not God's will that you have cancer in your body. We serve a God that cares and loves and redeems and does supernatural things in the midst of our suffering. Please stand with me all over this place. God, we just pray for a moment that you would so clearly right some of the wrongs and the ways that we think. God, that we would stop trying to excuse things and excuse our own sin. God, that we would be okay with you working and you moving and not having all of the answers of why. Help us to realize and understand that our world is not the way you intended and our world is filled with things that you did not create. Pain and suffering and tragedy and genocides and people dying at the hands of other people. Families that no longer have a dad. God, this is not the way that you intended things to be. And we do believe and, and know that you can work things out 
and that you can use stuff for good and you can use things to bring glory and to change situations and to do supernatural work. You use our suffering and you use cancer and you use loved ones passing away and horrendous genocides that happen in our world. You use that stuff for our good and for your glory. But teach us your ways. Help us, God. We love you and we need you. With no one looking around in this place, just a moment of privacy and reflection. Maybe you're here today and and you are right in the middle of something deep and something heavy. Maybe you are in the middle of trying to get free from something that has held you for a long time. Or maybe you have some of the destruction, destructive things that our world has handed us whether that's sickness or death or disease. And you're looking and trying to figure things out. Can I just tell you that there are not always answers of why in our world. That often the answer is just this place is broken. But I'm telling you, if you will begin to cry out to God and you will begin to seek his face, that he can teach you things through this stuff that he can use this stuff for your good, that he can use this stuff to bring glory and honor to him. And as Christians, we see this over and over, God using our stuff for his glory. This is how it should work. Creation is a mess, but God redeems things every single day. And maybe you're here today and you have never responded to the message of Jesus a message that he loves you and he cares for you and he knows you and he knows what you've done and he knows what you, where you have been, but he open, openly offers grace and forgiveness and freedom from that. And if you're here today and you've never responded to the message of Jesus and you wanna do that today, just quickly show me your hand. I just wanna pray for you. If you're watching behind a screen right now, you can respond to the message of Jesus. It's a heart thing that you can do. Thank you, thank you. You can put your hand down. Church, let's just pray a prayer as we get ready to close. Let's pray, pray. God, forgive me, because I'm a sinner. And thank you for sending Jesus to die for me. Changed my life. I give it to you. In your name I pray. Amen, amen. Come on, put your hands together and celebrate that with me.